I'm Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Borana of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the On Air podcast. Um... <laughs> We killed her. <laughs> so we killed the queen. So last week we released a podcast episode that I'm sure you will listen to. Uh, we recorded an episode about what happens when the queen died, and we released the episode on Thursday. And then the queen died on Thursday. <laughs> it all went a bit mad, quite frankly. Um. So what we would you know, back in the day would have expected to do after the Queen had died would be to tell you what was going to happen next. Except we've already done that. So instead, we're just going to kind of talk about what happened, what it's been like, um, how we think the last few days have gone. Um, I think so, it's so fast moving at the moment. It's really hard for us to actually tell you anything of value that we haven't already told you. So I think it might be interesting, especially because most of our listeners are from the US. I think it might be interesting for people to kind of understand what it actually is like and what our experiences were like and, um, you know, just get more of a sense. It's maybe more of a personal episode, less informative, more just about us people. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. So firstly, like what happened in terms of the podcast. So back on the 2nd of September. I sent Grace a message and I said, would it be too much for us to talk about what happens when the Queen dies this week? Because no one was doing anything else and she hadn't been very well, so or she'd cancelled something. So I thought, oh, why don't we do that? And then we recorded on the 4th of September, the Sunday. I did some editing on the Monday and Tuesday and uh, I was really happy. I don't know about you, but I felt it was so much fun to record it. It was one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, it was loads of information. Yeah, information, but also like, we had, it was funny and we just had a nice time and it was really easy to, to talk to each other and you know it was just two friends chatting away which is what I always like from the episodes um so yeah I was really excited about it and then Wednesday afternoon I uploaded it to our podcast platform um and I wrote my description about what will happen you know because I always sort of have it prepared scheduled it to go out when our episodes always go out which is Thursday at 5 p.m and then on Thursday 12.30, we got a statement. And I will talk about that statement in a minute, but I think from then until like 3 p.m.-ish, I was just freaking out um, because I knew that we had this podcast that was coming and <laughs> I knew what it was about. <laughs> and uh, Grace, uh, so I work in an office environment, basically. So I was working from home. I can use sit and use my phone. I didn't do anything the entire afternoon. Um, whereas Grace is a teacher, so sh- her job matters and um, she has to be responsible. So I was freaking out, just sort of like sending Grace messages, being like, um, uh, so this has happened. And uh, shall we shall we move the episode up? Um, uh, when you when you get this, will you will you just let me know what you think? Because I don't I don't really know what to do. Um, <laughs> um, so it was just a lot of freaking out. It's my first week at new school, so everything's been a bit weird. And I um, was doing planning that afternoon, so I was planning, and um, I didn't have my phone on me. And coincidentally, right at the start of you know the afternoon, me and my partner teacher had 
been talking about what the queen had looked like on Tuesday and how she looked all frail and like clenched up like a cat um and we you know we had a little bit of a joke and then he went off and I was you know making a powerpoint and he came back in and I was like looks like the queen's dying and I was like ha 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 <laughs> and then he went no really William and Harry are going to Balmoral then I went on BBC News and then that was it for me couldn't get anything else done all afternoon and at one point I had to sneak back into my classroom and get my phone just so I could be like I think we've killed the queen so I'd been freaking out for ages and then about three o'clock Grace messaged me and the first thing she said to me was I can't believe we killed the queen um because it really it was honest I like I it's hard to describe how surreal that whole thing was because obviously like throughout the episode we talked a lot about um well we're doing this now because we think she's got a while left and it gives us a bit of distance so we can be jokey and humorous about it and like oh you know none of us have ever lived through the death of a British monarch none of us know what it's like ha 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 and so it was just I mean normally I would probably have either just postponed it or posted it and you know expected lower figures than normal because people would be distracted but because it was about this very specific topic I was just like this I I this is completely uncharted territory I don't know what is appropriate to do here because people will have questions but it's also we we joked about it and to some people that might seem really disrespectful so it was and some of it will be out of date because we were talking about her like she was fine so it was just I, it was a panic for me, just purely <laughs> selfishly from the podcast side of things, because I was like, I don't if we leave this too long and then she dies, like what's going to happen? Like is I, I, really selfishly. I was like, but people aren't going to be listening to the podcast if she's already dead. <laughs> and I was like, we have to get it posted before she dies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Grace. great. And then Grace and I decided it, we'd move it up. So we posted about 3.30 ish and then. The news came out at about 6 30 so we got a good three hours before good three hours of listeners <laughs> yeah um but yeah I honestly like I cannot explain to people how surreal it was I'd posted something so I often do this if I get a message that's about something I know I'm going to answer in the podcast I'll kind of be like oh well something's coming up um and so somebody asked me like what happens if the queen dies during the night and I was like oh well um uh, you'll find out very soon what happens when the queen dies um <laughs> and then afterwards I was like oh no this looks really incriminating that I posted this the day before she actually died like now I look like I planned it but you'll know very soon we got a message saying somebody was actually listening to our podcast when they found out that the queen was dead yeah I just I, I don't think I'm ever gonna get over it because I mean there's a whole part in the episode where we were like, I mean, oh, it'd be really inconvenient if she dies at Balmoral because it's a bit different, but she won't. She's just got to hang on a month. And she didn't hang on a month. It was very inconvenient, quite frankly. We knew nothing. So you weren't teaching in the afternoon then? No, I was um, I was in uh, planning and I was, you know, still setting things up. So I'd, be, I'd started the week before, the Thursday before, and the kids' first day was on the Monday. And I didn't get any of my like emails or stuff set up until the Tuesday. So I'd spent like most of the time setting things up and getting things sorted and different emails and different accounts and trying to get my head around all the different sort of the ways of school plans. And then I found out that Harry and William were on the way to Balmoral, which is what I was told as how the Queen is dying. Um, and then I couldn't quite, I was like, I kept walking past my classroom to see if the kids had gone up to the IT suite yet, just so I could see if I could go in and get my phone. <laughs> 
I don't know what I did for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I was watching BBC News. I kept flicking over and I was like, oh my God. And I was like, the first thing I thought was I've killed the queen. And I was like, I've got to talk to Jess. And I didn't, I'm in the middle of a car and I'm at school. <laughs> like, this is really inconvenient. I mean, we had a, an episode, a whole episode earlier um, called uh, The Queen's Attempt to Derail This Podcast. That was when she announced that um, she, w- she wanted Camilla to be known oh, as yes. the Queen Consort at like midnight on Saturday, the day before we recorded. Yes, so we had to make like frantic notes last minute. And I just feel like this is her doing it again. So so final act in the world was just to go, before I get, I'm going to read you real one podcast. It's like the last time it didn't work, that that episode got a lot of listens. What could I do that's more dramatic? (laughs) But yeah, so I think like the first thing that came out was the statement at about 12.30. The statement at 12.34 was following further evaluation this morning. The Queen's doctors are concerned for Her Majesty's health and have recommended she remain under medical supervision. And so we got that at 12.34. And I knew as soon as I read that, and I know that that's going to sound terrible or people are going to think I'm lying. I knew as soon as we got that, she's going to die. And the reason I knew that actually was because we did our podcast last week. And in that, we talked about what happened uh, with George V's death and we did talk about Queen Victoria but I cut that out um, and so with Queen Victoria they announced a statement two days before she died saying that she was unwell and they were just trying to make her comfortable basically because she was in pain and then with George V we found out a couple of hours before that he was going to die and so I I already knew now like oh, okay well it's actually quite common to tell us a little bit before to prepare us so I was I so when I saw that statement, I also remembered the fact that we've talked a lot about the Queen's health in this podcast. And um we have always talked about how, you know, they say like, oh, it's episodic mobility problems and it's an abundance of caution where she's not ill. We're just, you know, being careful. That's why she's cancelling things. There's no reason to be concerned. And as soon as I saw this, this is the first time I have ever seen the palace be negative in their tone about the queen's health and acknowledge she is actually sick and that shift in tone to me i was like they're preparing us for the fact that she's she's on her way out that's so i knew for me it was the fact that they said the doctors were concerned and then they said she's you know resting and comfortable at balmoral because the queen and philip both have been both went to hospital on more than one occasion so it's not like they wouldn't have gone in. Um, so if she was ill um, and the doctors were concerned about her and it was a recoverable illness, she would have gone into hospital. But because they were like, they're very concerned and she's staying at Balmoral, I was like, ah, so she is not recovering then. <laughs> I mean, British people, we speak in euphemisms. We don't actually say things, we speak around them, especially about stuff like death because we we're not good at talking about that as a nation. Uh, and things like so medical supervision it didn't say treatment it didn't say assessment it said supervision and then also the use of the word comfortable those words like they might not seem necessarily to other people like they mean anything but we all kind of knew what they meant which sounds really bad because if the queen's comfortable she'd be like oh that's nice but so everyone went oh god she's dying (laughs) yeah like I'm comfortable right now but don't worry I'm not dying as far as I know oh god no now I've jinxed myself not again anyway (laughs) uh so yeah then after that it was kind of just like updates about um the the fact that our family were going up but it ended up being in various stages sort of Anne, well all of her children 
the Countess of Wessex, Prince Edward's wife, um, and Prince William and Prince Harry, who went. We now know, I believe, that only Charles and Anne actually made it before she died. Yes, so we found out that the Buckingham Palace told the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, at 4.30. William, Andrew, Edward and Sophie didn't sort of touch down in Scotland until just before four. Um, And it was then another hour to get them into Balmoral. So they couldn't have been in Balmoral before she died. And then also, like, so we didn't necessarily expect this. This is one of the few things that's kind of surprised me is the BBC cut to coverage of it and we're all wearing black like before we found out that she died and before she actually did die probably um for like the whole afternoon and I'd thought that would happen after we got the announcement but again I suppose it actually worked out quite well because it kind of it kept people informed to a degree um with the one statement we had um but it also kind of eased people in yeah like everyone knew yeah it was coming and I think and there were a lot of people as soon as they changed into black they were like oh she's already dead Uh, it's everyone knows and they're just not telling us because it's a big conspiracy but I think probably by the time they made the statement they knew that the queen was going to die within the next few hours or days and I think particularly the BBC which is you know government run broadcasting company they were always going to until from that moment on be on queen duty so it made a lot of sense for them to you know prepare almost like the studio for the moment when she actually did die but I I think it also like clearly those people have never listened to our podcast because as we said (laughs) it takes a few hours it is not suspicious they're not hiding her death as such it takes a few hours because they have to let the prime minister, but also all the other Commonwealth nations know that this has happened before they tell us. It was what we'd said would happen in action. That the fact that she died a few hours before we found out about it as the public. We were right. <laughs> I didn't realise I had so many people who had friends who worked for the BBC slash the government because all these people were like, well, I've got this friend who works for the BBC and they've told me the Queen's dead. And I was like, OK, first of all, I don't actually believe you. And second of all, like, that doesn't mean they're hiding it. No. (laughs) They're not hiding it. They just have to tell other people first. Like, imagine if they announced it to the British public before they told the Governor General of Jamaica. Like, could you imagine the diplomatic disaster that would have been? Like, they've got stuff to do. Yeah. And I also, like, so I was watching this all live at home on my laptop. Um, I said in the last podcast again that I wanted to experience the moment live so that it wasn't like when I missed out on the total solar eclipse uh, like there will be another death of a monarch in my lifetime unless Charles lives a really long time or I do <laughs> die next week um, but I think that it's not going to be the same so I just wanted to experience it but I spent sort of the whole afternoon in the most British dilemma that anyone has ever faced um, where I just was like can I afford to go and make a cup of tea and risk not being like immersed in the moment when she when it's announced that she's died but I did I did see it live (laughs) I um I got home from school about I I rushed out I normally especially this last few weeks I've been at school quite late but I kind of left at pretty much four o'clock because I wanted to get home and watch the watch the news um and I got home about five and I sat down and um I just stayed there watching the news and I was also sort of scrolling through like social media accounts just to sort of see you know because what like what other people were doing I was looking at you know the people outside of Buckingham Palace and the crowds at Windsor and things like that at the same time 
and I was sat on the sofa and I opened Twitter and the very top tweet was by from the Royal Family Twitter account still with their old um, profile picture and header they hadn't updated that yet and it said the Queen had died peacefully this afternoon at Balmoral and I was like and it hadn't said it on the news yet and I was like oh my god and I was like everyone she's dead but mom Vicky she's dead the queen's dead and they were going no it's not it's not saying on the news and I was like no that's from their twitter it's on twitter <laughs> and as I was doing it it was refreshing and to the sort of darkness and then as my sort of mum came in the tv was like we regret to inform you and I was like see I was right <laughs> I knew it so I kind of feel like I personally broke the news to many people with my kind of quite loud shouting <laughs> and just to add to the moment my nephew who is two and a half was in the room and decided at that moment he was going to start being a wolf so oh. as we were hearing all the official announcement he was going arr, arr, I'm a wolf boy I mean he'll you'll always remember that story though and when he's grown up at his wedding one day you can tell him I remember when the queen died and you you were pretending to be a wolf <laughs> I know my sister was like I've always wanted to know what would happen at this moment and now my son's being a wolf <laughs> I was like well <laughs> oh. um yeah I mean I was just on my own um I think it was like I was just watching the broadcast and it had just been the same thing kind of over and over and over again. And then it cut to Hugh Edwards. He just said, I, I think it started off with like, I regret to inform you or something like that. And I was just kind of frozen. And like, it wasn't sadness, anything like that. It was just like, oh, I've been sitting for six hours waiting for this thing to happen and following along with it and kind of thinking to myself oh wouldn't she, I bet she doesn't die I bet we've all just been frantic and freaking out about this for nothing now it was just like my body was like oh you don't know what to do in this situation um so we're just gonna stop and not do anything it's like it's not shocking that a very old woman who we knew had been very ill for a while and we knew that day was very ill had died but like I kept looking at like the twit the tweet from the royal family where it said the queen has died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon, the king and the queen consort will stay at Balmoral this evening and will go to um, London tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And looking at the picture of the queen, and I was like, but, but she's, but she can't be dead. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't like, oh, she can't be dead. I miss her. But I was just like, but she can't be because she's the queen and she's in this picture that I'm looking at. Yeah. Like, it's a turning point. Like, you can't go back from somebody being dead. None of us really knew what was going on. but We knew it was very serious. And then when the announcement comes out, it's like, I mean, maybe it sounds silly, but it did just feel like that it's now we've got an answer. We know now what's happened and there's no going back from it. Like there's no ambiguity, like this has happened and things have changed. And so it's not like it impacted my life that all that much day to day, but it did feel like this has happened and very final. I remember talking to my mum and she even like today, she was saying she's still not quite accepted it and not in like she's grieving or as you know a particularly big fan of the queen but you know the fact that at Christmas it'll be a king's speech instead of a queen's speech like I can accept that mentally but on Christmas day when the king's speech comes up like that's gonna be a bit weird and there'll just be lots of little moments like that and you know our very first episode of the podcast was us being like the queen is not dying yeah she's just old we're never gonna we're never gonna have another episode where we talk about the queen's health yeah well, she's dead so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to swap to someone else yeah harold is not going to die he's just oh no we can't do that grace because we have too much power <laughs> kill him off yeah <laughs> um, yeah i mean so that was kind of that day you know it was very much about the queen dying and you know we obviously got a little statement from charles but it was the focus was very much on 
this has happened and let's just give it some space. Like they don't, I think the main change from what we talked about is that they've just kind of extended everything. Yeah. So they just seem to have given everything a little bit more space. So like we would have expected maybe something we, well, we might've expected something more on that day, but they kind of, because she died so late in the day, they kind of were like, well, that's all we're going to do today. And then we'll go on to the rest of the stuff tomorrow. Yeah. It felt like they treated that as like day, like D-Day, death day. And then everything started from the Friday rather than from the Thursday evening. So then we kind of moved into the the next day, the Friday. Um, and I mean, lots, so much has happened, but I, I don't think it's interesting to, yeah, to tell you minute details about what happened to different flags. <laughs> So one of the big things was that we saw the king um, <laughs> and the queen, Camilla, for the first time. So they kind of, they went out and they greeted the crowd of mourners. And, you know, one of the things we'd speculated about in the last episode was how involved Camilla's going to be. And I kind of, I was really pleased that she was there with him to greet people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was very surprised they got out of the car at Buckingham Palace in the first place and I also get the feeling that Charles made that decision because if you looked at his security guards they looked in absolute panic mode yeah. like no 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 we're not prepared for this but it felt very sort of right to have them there together and I think it felt like there was a real a kind of emotion coming from the crowd mm. was for both of them they wanted the king and queen there didn't seem to be any sort of backlash in the people who were there and like there was kind of some spontaneous cheering and kind of people terribly singing God Save the King. And I think, so the general atmosphere was definitely what we kind of thought it would be, which was sort of somber, but also warm. A lot of the warmth was for the Queen, but I think a lot of that warmth was also for Charles going out to see them on his sort of second day as King. And I think, I don't know, I mean, I just think that was a really great PR decision, but I think that's the best thing he could have done was to see the people as soon as possible. And so then one of the other big things he did was he met with our new prime minister, yay, <laughs> uh, Liz Truss. And they also like MPs sort of gathered at the par- at parliament to kind of talk about the queen and send messages of condolence and things. And I haven't really followed that side of things that much. Like I have, I know there's videos and stuff of him meeting Liz. I didn't watch any of them. I do enjoy the Liz Truss murdering the monarch memes. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she met with the queen like the day before she died or whatever. Then suspiciously, she passed away. So if we didn't kill the queen, it was definitely Liz Truss. <laughs> uh, and then in terms of the parliament thing, I didn't really watch a lot of it, but I did watch Theresa May's speech and I laughed twice. And so now I'm going to hell. <laughs> it was funny. I'm sorry. It was. She's a terrible woman, but it was funny. Oh, I I thought it was a very sweet touch to have the like prime ministers of the yeah. past so to speak to give their little speeches and they were I mean I I really like Gordon Brown's one where he was like we he him and his sons were up at Balmoral and the queen told her corgis to shut up and ever since his children have been like well the queen said shut up so I, can <laughs> shut up. I think it was again it was very like warm like it was it was what you'd want for your own grandmother if she was really old you know just because somebody has died doesn't mean everything has to be all doom and gloom especially if you the person lived a very long and full life you can talk about the positive memories because that was part of what made that person who they were and it it was defined their relationship with you as an individual so yes you talk about all the sort of 
she had so much dignity and service and blah, blah, blah. but you also want to talk about the time she made you laugh I wasn't surprised that that came across so quickly but I'm very glad it did mm. because on on Thursday night my sister was talking um she was like it's weird because they're only really talking about her as a queen and not like as a person mm-hmm. and I was like it makes sense because she is the queen and she's died and it's a head of state and it is a national occasion but I thought they'd kind of like post funeral or like towards the funeral start going on about like the the person behind the crown but they did it really really quickly and again I think it was a really good idea because that's what people connect to they connect with those really human stories after Liz Truss gave her you know very official kind of statement on the Thursday evening Boris released a statement oh yeah which was so much better it was so good and I was absolutely obsessed with the newsreaders being like Boris Johnson's released a statement it's really long I'm gonna read it all because well, you're going to see. And it was just like, I mean, I don't know who Boris Johnson paid to write that speech, but they need to get a pay rise because it's the best speech anyone's given so far by quite a long way. And it was made better because Boris didn't give it. So he it was, he had the best situation because the speech was read by somebody who's got a good voice and can speak in public, Hugh Edwards. And so that meant that it came across as sounding really profound and um, dignified and intelligent rather than being read by Boris when it would have sounded like any of those things yeah and I think it it, I mean there was some someone timed that really well to come just after Liz Truss's Mm -hmm. clearly very official and boring speech where she ended it like god save the king bye yeah Um, which was just like oh that's a bit awkward when I went into I went to school the next day and I was very interested to know the kids were going to mention it they did very much mention it very quickly they were like guess what the queen's died did you watch it I watched the news and I was like I did notice I've heard about this um but the thing a lot of them were like did you know Boris he's not even the prime minister but he gave a really good speech (laughs) and I was like sorry Liz you've just really been usurped by you know ex-Boris it was very sweet because they were like oh and it's really sad because she had dogs and the dogs will be all alone now and then they all just started talking and telling me about their old relatives who were dead (laughs) my great uncle was 94 and he died or the queen was 96 and she died but my great granddad is 98 and he's still alive but he's probably gonna die soon mummy says it was like and then it's kind of off topic but then like the next day or that day I don't know somewhere around there was like Disney plus day and one of them was like, oh, it's really sad that the Queen's going to miss Disney Plus Day. And then that was a whole thing. We spent like half an hour talking about whose dad wants to swap Netflix for Disney. I was like, can we actually get back on the topic of the Queen, please? <laughs> this is really off I love the mental connections children make. Um, they're fascinating things. I was really interested, actually, to know what how much they're aware of and, and kind of how they've responded to this. They had a lot of questions. They, they had questions like, what, who's the kid? Like, what, who's the new Queen? Um, like, and I was like, oh, it's King Charles, and he was the prince. And they asked a lot about like the money and the, the mm. post boxes, like what's going to happen with that. That was the big one they were interested in. We, they had an assembly anyway, because it's a Friday and they always do a special assembly. But the first like half of it, they were like, just to let you know, and we celebrated the Queen in for her Jubilee earlier in the year in June. And now, it's, you know, she's dead. And we always say, you know, with the kids, if, if they've had like a bad night or their parents have split up or something's gone wrong, we go, or they might be a bit wobbly, which is like a euphemism. Yeah. And yeah. I thought it was really sweet because our executive head was like, and some of the adults, you know, especially the really old ones might be a bit wobbly now because for mm-hmm. older people, the Queen's really, really important. And I thought she did a really good way of making that like relatable to the children who just yeah. are like, well, she's really old, like great uncle Ernie or something. 
but my favorite part was when you know we brought up like the Paddington sketch and yeah they were like and what you know and the queen met Paddington and what did the queen who can remember what the queen had in her handbag and I've never seen so many hands go up in my life they were like I know this I know this I love Paddington and I was just like I know like for us I remember us talking about how it was like not quite James Bond the James Bond Olympic moment because that was the first one it was incredible but for these kids they weren't alive for that moment and Paddington's just their thing so that's gonna be like even if they don't really remember the queen that's they'll remember that they'll remember Paddington and the queen forever and I don't think that I'd really sunk in before like what a good choice that was just a, it's really interesting to think about them as they grow up and what they'll think about her looking back because they don't have that same kind of connection that she was there all the time like they were interested in the fact that she died and they were they weren't necessarily sad but they were sad because an old woman had died and she was the queen and that's going to affect them but she has a family and they asked a lot of questions about like how the queen died and where she died and they were like I know how the queen died and I was like no you don't no one knows how the queen died stop lying but actually um they have a friend that works at the BBC (laughs) (laughs) they kept me like I don't know if you've heard this I don't know if you watched the news last night and I was like watched it more than you did you're fine like eight um I mean I I actually went to Buckingham Palace in the afternoon so of that day of that Friday so I was already at work and I work in London so I it was a couple of tube stops away so I was like well I could just go home because I'm tired but I, I finished early on Friday so I could just go I might as well I'm only 20 you know 15 minutes away maximum so I went in the afternoon um and uh I it was kind of it was a really it was a good environment like we thought it would be as I say you know it was kind of somber but warm and there was tons of sort of flowers like every tree in green park had flowers around it and messages from people and you could kind of they'd left the cards open so that you could kind of see uh what people had written and there was messages from children that were really adorable and messages from adults and you know it was just uh, and there was so 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 many people and i think this is where it's interesting because when i was actually there like there was young people old people people from overseas people from the UK uh people from different races different uh, religions it kind of it was an incredibly diverse mix of people who had come and I'm sure that some people came out of curiosity or um rather than sadness or anything but I think we get caught up in these sort of social media narratives and the actual reality is that it can often be very different I live and work in a very left-wing working class area and I I know lots of my friends who you know I mean I'm not a monarchist but I know lots of my friends who are like adamantly against the monarchy and would be on social media saying the type of thing like you know I hope she suffered or you know things like that and sometimes I'm like oh that's the (laughs) national that's the national view but then I go out into these streets and you know I'm in the shop and I just hear you know the shopkeeper and the customer talking about you know King Charles and my head whipped around like what's going on (laughs) but like and I noticed when I went into work on the Friday like people were wearing dark clothes and I don't think anyone woke up that morning and thought oh I better put some black clothes on because we're in mourning but I imagine there was an element of people being like well I can't wear hot pink because the queen's died like I think and like I've always said even the people like my my partner teacher he's Irish so he is from Ireland he is not a monarchist in any way shape or form but when we were talking about it the day before when she was ill he was like I don't really care about the queen 
like I'm more interested in the day off but like he was like he had no it wasn't like oh I can't wait for her to die it was more like if she dies she dies if she doesn't she doesn't I have literally no horse in this race apart from wanting a day off like that was it we were trying to figure out how many days we could get off like best case scenario yeah um and I think that's the 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 general mood like there is a lot of warmth towards the queen and my sister and my mum who are <laughs> talking to me a lot this week and about the queen for the first time ever <laughs> um was saying things like like take a, the like the monarchy aside a it's a very historic moment so people are massively invested like it's like it feels historic in a really weird way but also the queen was 96 years old and helpfully we have a picture of her working two days before she died like we know she was working and like, she, no one's sitting there going oh the queen was working as much as you know a 96 year old woman who'd been cleaning toilets for the last 70 years but she was working that whole time and she'd managed to get away with like she'd always sort of stayed away from kind of scandal it'd been around her but it wasn't her part she hadn't done it wrong herself so there's such an sort of even if it's not an affection a kind of like respect for the queen and I think that's really come across in the reactions of people yeah yeah I mean so I remember finding these statistics a while ago to give people some perspective but um there's about I think 20 million people in the UK who are on Twitter um which is about less than a third of the population of the UK um, meaning two thirds of the population already are not on Twitter. Um, but 92% of posts on Twitter come from just 10% of users. They're super active users, which means that all we can really say with confidence, even if Twitter is completely united in thinking one thing, is that 2 million people in the UK think a certain thing. That's the most we can say. And obviously that's not insignificant. But there are over 60 million people, therefore, who either disagree or we don't know what they think. They might agree, but they might not. They're not participating in it. So I think people just need to have some perspective sometimes that like what they're seeing on their Twitter feed. And this goes both ways, like people who are distressed by this and people who agree with it. When you see something that's extreme on, on social media, that probably has very little relationship to what the average person on the street is thinking and doing. Yeah, I seen a lot of people becoming upset, either because people are talking about how great the queen was and they're like but she did all these horrible things or because they have a lot of respect for the queen and people are saying horrible things about her and I mean I this have I mean I've got a twitter account that's just mine and I have one that I do royal stuff on and I haven't gone on my other one because I know there's going to be so much going on like I'm not in the headspace to deal with it I'm not like I'm going to start crying if I hear someone being mean, mean about the queen I'm not going to be like, how dare you if I see someone being upset about the Queen. But there's so much going on. I don't want to have to deal with that. What surprised me the most over the last few days was the warmth towards Charles. Like, Mm. I always thought when the Queen died, there would be a huge sudden call for, even if it was, you know, just for that day, for like the drama of it, but for the abolishing of the monarchy, like that night, I thought people would be like, this is it, let's do it. And there just hasn't been I mean I should remind everyone I'm Scottish like <laughs> it's not like we have a good relationship with the monarchy like she represents bad things to me too just because I'm British doesn't mean that you know I don't have a stake I don't understand where people are coming from of course I do 
but I just it, it just is like lots of hot takes on the internet which are not really full thought through one way or another they're like I see people saying I don't want to sound like I'm just denying one side of things because I'm seeing people saying like she never put a foot wrong and I'm like she did spend the last four years protecting her alleged sex offender son so like I mean chill out but you know I think I just I don't like this extremes of opinions I think conversation and trying to understand one another that sounds so cheesy but it's true it is just much more healthy for everyone um but we did sort of I suppose we did see more of Charles on this day and I totally agree with you that I was really surprised at the kind of warmth that was felt towards him and like he gave his first address as a monarch firstly he managed to keep it again together emotionally which we didn't think would happen (laughs) I thought he'd be sobbing yeah yeah (laughs) he wasn't grinning but he was sort of he kept it together for a very long speech it was like 10 minutes or something it's ridiculous and we kind of we speculated about what he'd include in that speech in our last episode um would it be mostly about the queen or would he kind of set out his agenda and I kind of think he gave us a bit of both and he kind of he called back to her 21st birthday speech and renewed her promise of service so we got I mean we got quite a lot out of it yeah I really liked the part when he did that kind of callback because obviously the queen did her 21st birthday speech when she was 21 and she lived to 96 so that was a like a long time and obviously Charles is in his 70s so it's not going to be quite as impactful he's like I promise for the rest of my life but I think it was you know he phrased it really well when he said like for however long left like God grants me yeah it was my, it was my favorite part of the speech because it felt like he was like acknowledging the fact that he knows he's really old and he knows people think he's old and what's the point of him because he's only gonna be on the throne for 20 years but at the same time he's like I don't care how long it is if it's two months if it's 20 years I'm gonna do the job um and it came across really well <laughs> yeah definitely I think there was a lot of like subtle very subtle recognition of the fact that of, of some of the talking points um, so like there was that moment but also he kind of talked about how he has been brought up to respect the sort of constitutional limitations and how the country runs and all those sort of things and so it was kind of like it was his way of subtly saying I'm not gonna meddle. <laughs> I think because people because he's been Charles the Prince of Wales the Duke of Cornwall for so long people were like well he does you know the princess trust and all that stuff and he does the charities and he does all of this and he was like that still means a lot to me but I am aware I am now the king like I'm aware there is a difference and he kind of talked about his family I mean he mentioned William Kate and the Sussexes by name didn't mention anyone else I don't know if there's any significance to that um he only cares about Camilla and the kids that's it yeah yeah is he gonna have is this scale back monarchy gonna be a thing because he didn't mention anyone else or you know all that sort of stuff but I think the big shocker really was that in the speech he gave Prince William the Prince of Wales title immediately which I I honestly thought they'd wait at least a few weeks I was not I gasped he said um and my son William who I'm pleased to confer on the title the Prince of Wales and I was like (gasps) and then dissociated for like three minutes to like (laughs) catch up I was like, oh my god. Yeah, because they went from being the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge to the Duke and Duchess of Ca- uh, Cornwall and Cambridge to the Princess and Prince and Princess of Wales very, very rapidly. And it's a lot to get your head around. Like I don't I keep trying to call them the Cambridges. I'm like, well, they're they're not they are ish, but they're also the Cornwalls and the Waleses. So I don't what we all call in them, you know, I, it's just we too much. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I think that's probably why he did it then is to kind of like be just really clear about things from the offset I, I mean like, every time I see the Prince of Wales I'm like 
why is Charles doing that? Like, he's the king now. Yeah. Like, I I know he's the king. I'm thinking it, but I'm like, but that's that's also Charles. Yeah, I, yeah, it's really strange. I keep seeing, I'm the same. I keep seeing statements from the Prince of Wales and I'm like, okay, when did this come out? Who was Prince of Wales then? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it made a lot of sense because, I mean, poor, whoever's in charge of the Kensington Palace social media had to keep <laughs> changing their name. They were like, okay, and now we're coming, and now we're Prince of Wales. That's it. I'm not changing it anymore. <laughs> I remember, I, you know, I said last night that, um, the poor Cambridges, the children, they would have gone to the school on that Thursday as the Cambridges. The next day gone in as the Cornwall Cambridges and they'll go in on Monday as the Wellses. And I know they won't change the name in school, but like no one else's name changes three times on the first three days of school. That's just <laughs> weird. No, I know. Um, and the first three days as well. It's like, what an entrance to make. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good speech all in all. Like it was very long, but it it did exactly that balance of like, paying tribute to the queen as the mother, paying tribute to the queen as the queen, uh, talking about himself and reassuring people, talking about his family. And so, you know, it, it hit all the right notes. Even if he did end it with that really weird... Um, yeah, flights of angels angel, thing. Angel yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like that he was like, I'm glad, you know, that kind of bit where he was like, to my mother, I say one thing, thank you. And I was like, oh, that's a lovely end of the speech. And then he just kept talking. That's the Charles we know. <laughs> there, he's still in there. Yeah, got to put some flourishes on there. Can't just stop at appropriate moment. The only other thing that happened on that day, I think, was the church service. Getting churchy with it. Na, 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 na. The only notable thing, because I didn't watch it. I, I really have not engaged in this that much. I engaged in the first day and then I was like, well, she's dead. So what else am I going to think about? But um, it's, yeah, I didn't watch. But I did see the clip of them all singing God Save the King, giving it its first official outing. And it was so funny because everybody kept saying God Save the King. Um like because they're used to saying god save the queen e the e sound i always thought i'd find it really weird when they said god when they sang god save the king and i didn't i did find it weird when they used to say send her victorious they said Mm. send him victorious that threw me because i forgot that was in there i was like oh that sounds wrong i don't like that no i just like the um fact that they opened the uh church service to two thousand members of the public because Mm. you had like toddlers and babies and men in suits and men in like track suits and I just thought that was a very good representation of the public it wasn't a bunch of you know white men in suits yeah there were mums with like tiny babies and there was this toddler in this really like hot pink jacket it was just like oh I don't want to be here that's what every church service looks like it felt kind of right that they'd opened it up it felt like a very Charles thing to do and I'm sure it wasn't I'm sure that was a big decision but it felt like the kind of thing Charles would say yeah let the public in they can sit at the back yeah, yeah, and it's not like they were short of people who would have wanted to be in that room from an official standpoint. I mean, I don't know how that worked. I never saw any adverts for it, but... Um... I saw it was 2,000 on a first-come, first-served basis. And I was like, is there going to be, like, a rush on? That's <laughs> like, everyone's going to get me in! Like, we fight outside, like, I was 2,000, you were 2,001! <laughs> yeah. And then we move on to Saturday, um, which was when we had the um, accession, or the accession council, uh, which was televised and streamed online for the first time, which we'd thought about, you know, will that happen in the last episode? I was like, no, it won't. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> ruin this for me. Um, so, yeah, that's a shift. I mean, it's not it's not that exciting, really. Um, yeah, I can see why it wasn't, you know. I mean, I know they didn't have television before, but I can see why it wouldn't have been televised. Yeah. <laughs> it's really um, boring. Yeah, it's, it is super boring. And then there was, like, 
a proclamation in the morning um, and then another proclamation from the Garter King of Arms, who was that dude with all the feathers. Um, I've just written here, Charles said some more stuff. So it obviously didn't resonate with me that much. <laughs> no, I, I watched, I, I slept, I slept through it. Yeah, me too. Um, but I watched it in bed last night and um, he mentioned his, his sister and brothers at one point and that oh, was notable. Nice. And he mentioned his darling wife, Camilla, again, which is very nice. Um, but the rest of it was really boring. And he just spoke about, you know, like the Queen again. And I think yeah. all of his statement and his two speeches have been very much like stability and continuity and you like the Queen and I'm just going to do what the Queen did. But um, which I think is a really clever way to do it because that's what I think people have always been the most concerned about it's like what's he gonna do there's only really so much you can say like how many times can you say I loved my mum I'm sad she's dead I won't do anything bad like that's how you know there's only so many different variations of that so like each time it's not it's not that it's his fault he has to do these things but like I'm not the first one I engaged with quite a lot because I felt like it was significant whereas I feel like every time they do a speech like this or the same person does a speech like this, it becomes slightly less interesting to me. Um, <laughs> and also like the whole way that this, the accession council works is, I mean, I guess it was invented before there was, you know, when, when people communicated by sending letters via horse and stuff like that, you know, it wasn't designed for fast moving communication. So it is very surreal to kind of see Penny Morden announcing to a group of people, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that the queen is dead as if they didn't already know. Um, <laughs> I really liked how Penny was doing that whole thing where she was like rattling through like permission to keep this seal until we can design a new one permission to do this and Charles was like approved and he like had the words in front of him like he only had to say one thing it was approved it wasn't he wasn't gonna go like no disapproved not out of that one but I just I she went through it so quickly I just thought if I was on television I would have you know made more of my moment yeah, it probably would have been quite boring after a while to just keep asking the same questions and have the same the per- same person give the same response that you already knew in advance they were going to give. Like that, that I, I can, I, she probably wanted a drink, you know. But yeah, so that was kind of the the formal, the signing of the contract as referred to it last time. I mean, the most exciting part was Charles fighting with a pen pot. Oh yeah. Like that was, that was it. He was like, get off the table. <laughs> like the thing was like, you must have practiced this. Like, be prepared where does he have to sign I like how they all underline their signatures like children it's very sweet but there was a pen pot in the way and I was just like just put it on the other side of the table just move it to the other side so it's not where your arm is but clearly no one has that insight like I do of how to organize a table that's working with kids I was like put the pencils out of the way (laughs) they should have hired you I'm sure there is like his majesty's pen pot mover like they've got such weird they've got their own official astronomer so they're gonna have their own pen pot mover I think the pen pot mover might have been sacked after mm. that. We might have to get a new job. We might have to get a new pen pot mover. And I think that that day was kind of when we started to see a lot of the other royal family members, the other children who were not Charles, and their families were all at Balmoral, and they went out to look at the flowers. And I suppose the big flower viewing was down in Windsor um, with the Sussexes. And I remember when I was writing my notes last night, I wrote the Cambridges, and I was like, nope, nope, that's going to get some take some getting used to. Um, the Waleses. Uh, William and Kate, we'll call them. Um, and look, <laughs> a lot has been made of this this flower viewing, and people are microanalyzing and cutting down footage to s- send a certain narrative. And I just was, I mean, I wish everyone would shut up about it every other day of the year as well. But 
everyone involved in the situation was very mature and grown up. And if they, even if they didn't want to be around each other, which would be understandable because they don't like each other, then, you know, they none of them punched anyone else or spat in anyone's face. You know, he doesn't have a Harry Styles moment. So I just, I think everyone needs to just chill out. They might be sitting there like best friends forever, or they could literally despise each other. But they came out, they looked at some flowers, they interacted, they shook loads of people's hands. It went on for ages. Yeah. I was like, I would just sit down and watch this for like 10 minutes. It was nearly an hour I was watching these people shake other people's hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. But like, they did it very well. And it was, I think the public would have been very, very happy just to see William and Kate. And, just to, and then to see Harry and Meghan as well was a bonus because they are a family who've lost their grandmother and then I think they expected them just really to look at the flowers and then they did the walkabout and Mm. I think none of that they could have just not done it at all they could have just sent William and Harry out to look at the flowers which I did think they might do for a bit it was very sweet and I think it I think it means a lot to people and I have a lot to say about this that's very negative but I'm not going to say it today it means a lot (laughs) to people that um the royals when they are sad, are taking the time to go and check on the public. Mm. Because it was a different kind of death from Diana, it didn't feel, it, I don't love it, but it didn't feel quite as exploitative. And they're older, obviously, um, to kind of have them go out and talk to people because they were able to do what the politicians had done earlier in the week and talk about funny moments. Or, you know, yeah. it was sort of like, it was just a bit more warm and, and enjoyable, I suppose. It's not the right word, but you know what I mean. But but yeah, I think people are making a lot out of it. And this goes both ways. There are people being like, they hate each other and look at how rude this person was. And But then the other side of things is like, this is a turning point. This is he will heal all of the wounds. The Sussexes will come back and start working full time because they all love each other again now because they went outside together at the same time. And I just, all of it can be quiet because I don't want, I don't, it's not the time. It's never the time because it's none of our business how they get on with each other privately. But it's not the time. They are being grown ups and they're doing what's expected of them. And they are, you know, putting on a brave face and during a difficult time to go out and talk to people. I was watching it on um I think I might have been watching it on ITV and the commentators were like Ugh. it's so sad the queen couldn't live to see them reunited before she died but she'll be up in heaven watching down on them and I was like okay first of all ew <laughs> second of all why are you talking like my grandma but my grandma is not a professional commentator on royal events like she cried when the queen died the first thing when the queen died my like family group chat was like how's grandma oh. and I was like she's very sad <laughs> I was like oh what's so I forgot to ask about your grandma. I hadn't checked in. <laughs> Grandma's very sad about this. I was like, oh no, I feel like I need to go and check in on her. But um, yeah, and I was just like, I mean, I just feel like as a professional news reporter, journalist, commentator, person, you shouldn't be saying the queen in heaven is looking down, smiling on this. Like, that just seems very wishy-washy. It's all, you know, it's all, it always starts when somebody dies, when it's like they were perfect and amazing and uh, fixed everything in the world and nothing they did was ever wrong. And it's all just part of that of like, even in death, the queen made the ultimate sacrifice to bring the boys together. And it's like, no, just chill out. Like, just, it's too much. But yeah, I mean, it was, I'm glad they, they did it. I didn't necessarily expect it, but I also, like, I was 50 50. When I heard that the Cambridge is, uh, nope, the Wales is, <laughs> we're going. 
I was 50-50 on whether or not the Sussexes would join them, um, but I think it was the right decision and everyone behaved maturely and I wish we could all do the same. So then, I mean, so we record on a Sunday and I mean, we do have time to make some notes about things in the morning if we get up early enough. I do not get up early enough. So I don't have anything that's happened today. I know that she's moving. She's on the move. Yeah. Queen's on a journey. She's on a journey. Um, down from Scotland. I like, I've seen a few, I've been, it's been on and off. I've watched it on and off. I've not sat and watched. I sat and watched her leave our moral and they were running like five minutes behind schedule. And I was like, uh, I don't think the Queen would be a fan of this. Punctuality is key. Um, mainly because I was like, I want, I want to know how I feel when I see the coffin. I didn't really feel anything. I thought the coffin looked quite big. In my head, the Queen's really, really small and it looked really like extra long. So I, in my head, she's wearing a crown in there. Maybe like stilts. Yeah, really tall. Uh, I've seen, I saw a little, all the tractors lined up at the side of the road for one bit and I thought that was sweet. And I've, I've looked at a few sort of like BBC news articles where they've been saying like, it's when the, just before the Queen arrives and when she goes through, it's dead silent. And then everyone just kind of goes back to normal, which feels right. I wouldn't say that Scotland hates the Queen, but we definitely don't like her as much as um, sort of, England Windsor. yeah <laughs> Windsor um but I think she was definitely going to get more of a reaction sort of coming out of Aberdeen because and Aberdeenshire because that was obviously where she had a very strong connection but I have been surprised to see so many people show up along the route so far anyway yeah I was looking at the crowds in Edinburgh and she's not due there till about five I think when the time left and it must have been about two when I last saw them and they were so like packed like the people at the back you're not going to see a coffin you are so far away yeah um and I thought there's a good three or four more hours to go until the coffin actually gets there and she's going to be there for a whole other day um which really surprised I think particularly because it's Scotland it was surprised me if it had been I don't know London or Windsor or Norfolk I'd be like yeah seems seems about right but there were so many people yeah a lot of it is curiosity and wanting to be part of a moment even if you know William became king in two years time and ruled until he was 110 so you know he's done 60 years on the throne like or 70 years the same as the queen I think the the way of the world is so different like there is and I I said this last week like there is never going to be anyone like the queen I think even if you look at other queens when you know Queen Margrethe dies for example it will be different because she's the queen of Denmark and you know Greenland and and not ever I mean my sister doesn't know who Queen Margrethe is but I'm sure if I was Danish my sister would know who the queen was and they've spoken a lot on the news about how she was the queen in countries that have their own queens and I think you know it's it is such a historical moment and it sounds really stupid because kings and queens die a lot like it's why we have kings and queens they die and we get another one but this is like the last of like the old guard of kings and queens so one of the things that's really important about the monarchy is, and why one of the reasons you know we talked about this in our episode I think it was 18 about siblings and about how 
the the heir to the throne is usually boring and dependable, but but will be good at being a monarch because that's what we need. She can she could have been whoever you wanted her to be. So she could you could relate her to your grandmother. You could re- relate her to your mum. You could relate her to your friends if you were an older person. Um, you could imagine that she thought the same way that you did because you didn't actually know what she thought one way or another. She came onto the throne so young at a time when there wasn't social media, there wasn't rolling news cycle. And so she was able to be this blank canvas. And that meant that people could relate to her without actually knowing anything about her because they could project things onto her. And sometimes that went well, sometimes it didn't. But regardless, she's the last generation like that. With Charles, we've had 70 years of his opinion and we know what he thinks about things. We know very, very intimate details about his life and his relationships. And we've seen William get fallen out of nightclubs drunk. And I'm not saying this in like a moralistic sense, because I don't think that's a bad thing. But yeah, I just think she's the last of that generation where she genuinely was a blank canvas. And now we're in an era where our monarchs are going to be people who we know a lot about. And I don't know how that works. So it is the end of something different. Yeah, it's just it is a different era. And so I think that's why we're seeing a lot of people showing up. It's not necessarily out of approval or disapproval or anything. It's just out of curiosity of like, what does this mean? And I want to be able to be part of this. But yeah, so like this episode comes out on Thursday. So at the time, she'll be already in Westminster and will be lying in state, um, which is obviously now she's currently in Dundee. So that's quite far away. So it's obviously a lot will change. Charles will probably be visiting um, Wales the day after we release the podcast. Uh, you know, we'll be preparing for the day off on Monday on for the funeral, um, which I definitely have been confirmed by my workplace. We're getting the day off. So woo-hoo. definitely um, day off. I'm very excited about this. Very excited. Yeah. So like, I think um, a lot of things will have happened in between the recording and the release. And a lot of things will happen kind of after the episode goes out. But you know, obviously we know the skeleton of those things because we talked about it in our last episode, but we can't talk about like our reactions to them at this point just because they haven't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. So that's the gist of it. We killed the queen and we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I did, didn't mean kill the queen. So thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of the On Air podcast. Um, We will try not to kill off any major world figures um, in future. (laughs) It would be very, very helpful if you could rate us five stars and you can follow us on various social media accounts. We'll put them all in in the description of the episode. Uh, But other than that, it is a goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.